It comes as no surprise that road vehicles are one of the most environmentally damaging luxuries of our society. Despite over 100 years of optimization of the automobile, the average family car now emits a staggering 4.6 metric tons of carbon dioxide each and every year. We now watch the breathtaking rise of electric vehicles on our roads, our attempt at a silver bullet solution to this grave emissions problem. Yet despite our best remedy to the harmful effects of the combustion engine, this new generation of electric vehicles comes with its own environmental consequences, increased tire wear in the form of microplastics. To this day, microplastics remain a relatively unknown side effect of tires. And now, with much heavier electric vehicles, tires wear through at a much faster rate. So with electric vehicles estimated to make up to 50% of all vehicles by 2030, how can we ensure that this new wave of electric vehicles is as green as it claims to be? Welcome to Racing Green, the podcast that explores the ideas, innovations, and influences making waves in the journey towards a sustainable future for our planet. In each episode, we investigate the new challenges, ingenious solutions, and the undiscovered opportunities that lie at the heart of our rapidly changing world. We aim to accelerate a new era founded on optimism and impactful collective responsibility. Today, we speak with Gunnar Erlandsson, who goes by G founder and CEO of Enzo, a new generation tire company aiming to dramatically reduce microplastics through their sustainable tire technology. Welcome, G. Thank you. Nice to be here. I wonder if you tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into this world of sustainability. So, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a bit of a long story. Um, I, 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 so I, I um, got into this weird industry called the tire industry over a decade ago um, when a, a group of um, friends asked me to help out um, a team to, to do something very innovative. And, and, and that kind of set me on this journey into what is always a, I would say, a very closed industry, a very hidden industry highly impactful industry, highly profitable industry, and yet a highly impactful industry, uh, which hasn't really been in discussion until fairly recently. And, and of course, what really propelled me to, to, to uh, set up Enzo as a, a disruptor in the tire industry, um, focusing on better tires, uh, particularly for electric vehicles, was really that nobody else was doing it. And, and, and if you've got the tools and the ways and the means, uh, there is an obligation for you to do something about it. Yeah. And, and, and so what did you study? And what, what, what qualifications did you need to kind of get into to create a modern tire company? Well, you need to be completely bonkers to try to upset the ecosystem, that's for sure. Um, I mean, my background, I came from um, private equity. Before that, I had a legal background. Uh, which surprisingly is very helpful in what is a very heavily regulated industry as well. I would I would say that um, you know my my route to to addressing tire pollution isn't isn't traditional, but I think that uh, if you ask most of the people who are in the industry who are more traditional, 
Um, if there are ways and means I've not been able to address what we are now tackling, then perhaps some radical approach is needed. Mm. Okay. So now tell us about Enzo. You know, when did it start? What was the central idea? And so, in a, in a nutshell, people don't often realize that tires are a, a major source of air pollution. We're at the point where, according to DEFRA, already here in the UK, exposed to more PM 2.5 and PM 10 from tires than from tailpipes. And that is, of course, a bit surprising. We've been regulating car and vehicle emissions uh, since the 70s, and aggressively so in many respects, um, where we have, of course, tackled air pollution uh, from those vehicles uh, steadfastly. But there's been no similar attempt to either regulate or even address or even discuss what tire pollution does. And, and of course, in, in the remit of air pollution, what we don't want to happen is, is that, of course, that we address a problem on one hand and, and increase a problem on the other side, you know, the unintended consequences. Uh, sadly, the, the, the status quo within the tire industry at the moment is, on one hand, we have a, a product that wears over time. It hopefully wears slowly, but when it wears, it, it generates fine particles. These particles are exposed to the air we breathe. They are a microplastic that enters our aquatic environment, and often they're quite highly toxic as well, which are very harmful for, for um, environment and, and particularly aquatic environments. And so tires are already and have historically been for the last 100 years creating this pollution. It's been hidden, it's been unmeasured until recently, but what is actually happening is we're at the point now where people are getting aware of there has been a problem historically, and at the same time, we're doing the shift to electric vehicles. And what's important to note about the shift to electric vehicles and tire pollution, as it affects air pollution and microplastic pollution, is the fact that the consensus is already now, and this has been debated in the last few years, but it's been now validated, that tires on electric cars wear even faster. So you're now at the situation where we need, and we love electric cars, we need electric vehicles because we need to address climate change. We, we can't have all these vehicles running around the planet, running on fossil fuels, creating global warming. That's very important, but we cannot avoid addressing also the tire at the same time because electric vehicles, according to Michelin, were up to 20% faster. When you ask Goodyear about it, the Goodyear will admit that they were up to 50% faster. So imagine if we're at the current status quo of tire pollution today. And imagine now if, if, if by a magic wand, we would switch every car in the, in the world to electric overnight. Unless we do something to address the tires on those vehicles, particularly the electric vehicles, we're going to end up with 20 to 50% more air pollution from tires. So ultimately, the solution we're addressing on climate change by switching to electric cars is very heavily needed. But we also have to make sure that we regulate the tire industry so that those tires on those electric vehicles, and particularly the electric vehicles, are engineered to be more durable, less toxic, and also, of course, more efficient. I wonder if we could step back and, and, and maybe give our audience just a sort of a, the real basics of what is a tire? Yes, <laughs> you know, of and, course. And, 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 and how fast does it wear? Currently, most tires today rely on fossil fuels and highly carbon-intensive raw materials to be manufactured. So a tire is made out of a certain component of natural rubber, 
synthetic rubber as well. Natural rubber, of course, comes off trees, so that's good. Synthetic rubber comes from an oil pump uh, out of the ground, and it's basically processed through refineries. It's therefore basically a constituent part from the fossil fuel industry. Tires are also made out of carbon black, which is also made from the fossil fuel industry. There you also have other fillers like silica, which is uh, generally made by melting sand, which is also incredibly carbon intensive. So the, the, the early journey of a tire, as it's being the raw materials that they're made of, have already got a lot of impact on our planet in terms of carbon and emissions as well. Uh, and that's even before they become a tire. So those raw materials are effectively then shipped to a, a manufacturing plant, which then converts basic raw materials into a fully-fledged consumer product. And those are the tires that we know and, and see. And that itself is, a, is also an energy-intensive uh, process often as well, particularly from older factories. So the tire industry makes about 2 billion of these every year. That's enough to give every family at Christmas a single tire underneath the tree. And we have grown accustomed to this consumption. So again, it's a highly resource-intensive industry, highly impactful industry itself. And that's even before we put them on a vehicle. So then some other things start to happen. So the, from the moment the tire is equipped on a car and that vehicle is on its road, it will wear down. It will wear down to a number of, of different uh, interactions with the road, uh, acceleration, deceleration, braking, turning, and, and a number of different things happen at, at where the rubber hits the road. Now, where the rubber hits the road, these fine particles, which often are referred to as tire emissions, tire wear, tire pollution, they are generated. What happens frequently as well, of course, is in urban areas where we're doing more braking and more acceleration and more turning of tires, the concentration of the generation is higher. So we'll have higher tire pollution per mile in London than we would have driving on the M4 outside of London because at that time, the tire is more rolling rather than reacting. So you now have a situation where tire pollution is an urban problem principally per mile, if you look at it that way. And of course, you drive, may drive fewer miles in a city, but you might drive mile, more miles on a highway. So it, it maybe evens out in the end. But what it means that the people have higher proximity to tire pollution in urban areas. So we have generated now these particles, and they range from ultrafine particles, which are so small that they barely register on air pollution measurements. And those are considered potentially the most harmful, but very little is known about these ultrafines in air pollution. You then have the classic air pollution measures like PM 2.5 and PM 10. These are the, the, the micro-sized particles, which are often used for air pollution measurements. And already we know that the tire pollution that I've just described is now generating more of those PM 2.5s and PM 10s than is coming out of all the tailpipes of all the cars currently on our roads. And that includes also the dirty diesels that are still on our roads. So we're not just talking a comparison with what the new tire is on a new vehicle coming off, but actually what is coming off average. So on average, some of the literature is indicating that a tire will wear maybe 32 micrograms per kilometer. 
when it's new, it, it wears even faster, something close to 74 micrograms a kilometer, but that's when it's very new. And then it kind of drops to about 32. Put that in comparison, the legal limit that is allowed to come out of a Euro 6 tailpipe is five. So a tire that has already been bedded in today on a Euro 6 vehicle today is emitting, and this is not talking about electric cars yet, we're just talking about what a standard Euro 6 diesel car would be emitting. The diesel car is allowed to emit up to about five micrograms per kilometer. The tire is above 30. The six times more than the pollution times. per kilometer. Yes. And that's, of course, looking at the total weight of the material coming out. You then have to look at the size particle distribution. Where is it? Is it ultrafines? Is it PM2.5s, PM10s? And is it smaller and larger particles than that? So it's, it's a complicated picture. But if we're just looking at a total mass level, yeah, about six times more mass is coming off the tire than is coming out of the tailpipe. Wow. So is that the reason why this urban phenomenon and the braking and the, is that the reason why electric vehicles are technically more tire polluting than regular cars? No, the, 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 the key drive, I mean, of course, er, more electric vehicles drive in urban areas than, than on okay. highways. So you, right. you have a higher concentration of EVs, but the real reason why even Michelin is saying up to 20% at Goodyear, saying up to 50% more tire emissions in total mass from EVs is simply their weight and torque. So an electric car is substantially heavier than a corresponding fossil fuel car because of the heavier batteries in particular. And we're in a, we're in a status now where we're developing electric cars that, that of course need to meet certain range needs in particular. And so that means you have to bundle a few more batteries in them. And that added weight is generating, therefore, more weight. Imagine if, if, if you suddenly gained twice the weight, your shoes would wear probably twice as fast uh, because they're having oh, twice. <laughs> <laughs> so you have a, a, a situation that, um, you know, there's, there's higher with the friction and the weight effectively means higher wear rates. So that's one element of, of, of this higher wear. The second element is, is the fact that electric vehicles have also really high torque. And so from a, an engineering perspective, uh, more weight, more torque means more friction, hence more tire pollution. There is a third element here as well. It's a lot of fun to drive electric cars. It, is, it, is a, it, it reminds me of the go-karts when I used to drive as a, as a kid. They would just go really fast, really quick. And I think the, that acceleration and also harder acceleration, harder braking also has an effect. So that's really is the, the human element in this one. There are other elements as well that will affect tire wear ratios. And, and of course, what the industry doesn't want to do is compromise safety. So at the same time, there's, there are some things that the tire industry does, which of course favors some performance directions at the cost of, of durability. And this is, this is I think, a, a little bit the, an element of this, this borders more on technology and how the performance metrics of, of tires are, are adjusted for electric vehicles. But I think ultimately we're looking at a situation where we're just not talking about tires. And I think the, the conversation is on one hand, we don't talk about tires, we don't regulate tires, and we don't know even to some extent yet 
all the, the answers here because until recently, nobody talked about tire pollution. Wow. Fascinating. I've, I've learned so much already. Now, tell us about the solution. So what is the solution that Enzo has come up with without sharing all your sort of patent you know, secrets yeah, yeah, course, or anything? But, but how do you make it better? So what do we do at Enzo? So we only do tires for electric vehicles. That's, that's point number one. Point number two, we, we look to sell them directly to customers. And I'll come to why that is very important, because that is a, a, a business model approach to, to address this pollutionary element. And third, we are the only tire company in the world that is a certified B corporation. And this is because we are very focused on the sustainability that includes the toxicological effects of tires as well. But in essence, if you want to think about Enzo in a nutshell, we want to deliver more range for electric vehicles. Of course, all the EV owners want more electric range. So we can deliver that on one hand while also delivering less pollution. Now, the way we do this is partially through the product, but also partially through the business model that in, enables us to improve, make these improvements. So a tire is a black round thing with a hole in the middle and they all look pretty much the same, but that's not really the case. What, what we do is we use very high grade raw materials and we innovate on the tire level to improve the overall performance metrics of this product versus our competitors. And we're, when we mean our competitors, we're talking about the top five tire companies in this world. And so what we do is we spend more than our competitors on raw materials to make a higher grade tire. And we engineer those tires specifically for the particular use case with the particular electric vehicle. Now, that is something, of course, that the rest of the tire industry could do. The problem is they couldn't do it and still make the profits they do today. Because by making them more expensive to make, we do two things. We increase their cost per unit. But we also, by making them last longer, we, we do something that completely goes against the grain in the tire industry, is that the tire industry relies on selling its product on a constant churn basis, meaning that the way the tire industry grows is by selling more tires. And if you're selling more tires, you don't want them to last too long. No, building obsolescence, as you say. To some extent. To some, it's a bit, I, I sometimes say we are like the LED light bulb moment from, from uh, the tire industry. We used to have aisles and aisles in shopping, mar shopping centers and, and shops to sell us light bulbs, if you remember, almost. You know, you had different, and now you don't have any, almost any. We're old enough to remember that. But ultimately, of course, the tire industry is, is still producing 2 million tires a year. And if we wanted to halve the pollution of all the tires on the planet, cut it by 50%. We have to move the tire industry from making 2 billion units to making only 1 billion units a year. But that means half the factories. It means half the sales. And while at the same time, the tire industry would have to invest more in the products, making almost no money doing so. Yes. So this is why the problem isn't just the tire manufacturers not being able to, to look, look at that they rely on a distribution model, which are, are a lot of independent retailers and distributors that are also incentivized to sell more tires. So let's just say if even one of the top five tire companies would decide to do the shift, 
um, they would be selling a more expensive product into that same ecosystem, making less profit for everyone involved. And going against the grain, uh, the distributors, particularly in North America, where a big market, of course, is, um, they, uh, let's just say, they wouldn't look at that very friendly. So, so we're, we're at the stage where, on one hand, there's almost no discussion about the impact these products make. There's no regulation to stop making bad tires anywhere in the world. The manufacturers would lose money and sell fewer tires if they did this change. And the distribution, the, the end retailers where you buy your tires from, would actually favor even the cheaper, more high, less durable products because they could sell even more of them. So that even the tire manufacturers don't control the distribution. This is something, you know, you don't go on Michelin.com and buy a tire. So, so at the moment, what we're doing with Enzo and how we look at the business model innovation, because we say, look, the tire industry business model is part of the problem, is we do a few things. Number one, we sell our tires directly to customers. So after we have invested more to make the product and tune it for those particular electric vehicles to extend range and reduce tire pollution, we sell it directly to our end customers. And that, of course, is the car makers on one hand, fine, the large EV fleets and individual EV owners. And why is it important to sell directly to those customers? It means that although we have invested more to make a more efficient and a more durable tire, we still can make a healthy profit because we have basically taken the distribution margin and the production margin and combined them into one. This means that when we sell that tire to the end customer, we still are able to make profit because, of course, altruism is great, but altruism that loses money doesn't scale. To make a true impact and scale the impact that we need, we need this to be a successful business model. So when we sell directly to customers, we, on one hand, provide them a new set of tires up until the point. And some of these customers, of course, are high mileage use cases, where our tires currently even within a year. So you have then a, a, uh, a different kind of, uh, of, of incentive in the sense that we sell the tires directly to them. And when we sell the tires directly to them, we can do an additional thing, is that we can not sell them anything in terms of product, we sell them miles. So when we engage with our customers directly, we're also able to charge them on a per mile basis. Now this means I can charge a customer from like a penny a mile for a set of four tires where they pay nothing up front. So they come, they make their booking, and I can charge them on what they use. Now why is that important? It's important because I've now completely gone against the grain of the tire industry. I've now built a business model which incentivizes me to make my tires last as long as possible. If I could make that tire last forever, I could charge for it forever. So ultimately, this is a win-win situation for, for, for the environment in the sense that when we are incentivized to make tires last far longer because we're financially incentivized to get an extra penny for every mile we, we add to the, the odometer, it means that th that tire has lived a longer life. It has created less pollution during that life because we've extended its lifetime and mileage. 
we've reduced, therefore, correspondingly the tire pollution that comes off that tire during that period. And in the end, that means that the customer doesn't have to replace it as often. He doesn't have to pay it front. He doesn't have to pay more either. And the environment will have a low, lower impact in terms of tire pollution. Now, we'll never make a tire last forever. I want to, tire pollution is here to stay, sadly, but it is the case that in the modern world, and you can debate when the modern world started, but at least it started with something called the tire, I think, as well, or at least the, the advent of the wheel. And ever since we have been rolling on roads somewhere, we have been generating something called wear off those wheels. Unless we entirely stop using tires, we will never get rid of tire pollution. But what we can do is regulate the worst offenders out of the market. And of course, we're hoping regulation comes in that. But what we are doing with Enzo is building a huge financial incentive for customers to adopt a much more environmental solution now, particularly for electric vehicles that can generate more of this pollution at the moment. But of course, ultimately in the future, you know, what we hope for is that electric vehicles will become lighter. The people will drive more carefully. Also, if we drive less, that would help a lot. If, if you don't drive your vehicle, you're guaranteed not to, of course, be generating this tire pollution. And of course, if you jump on a bicycle, you might be making a fraction of it. But that is, of course, a better solution. But in those instances where we do need to drive, we, we should make sure that we are driving on better tires. And is there anything in the manufacturing process that makes them more robust? It's, it's, it's years of R&D and development that has gone into this. I can't describe all our secrets. I would say that um, we have something up our sleeves, which we're developing, which we've recently received a, a, a governmental support for which will be announced in the near future. And we're working with all the leading scientists because for us, this, you know, the first products we put on the road are our entry point into this market. We're on a never ending journey to reducing tire pollution. So if we can double the durability of tires every five to 10 years, you're on a road where the pollution from these tires is, is far, far less than it is today. It'll never be zero. But if you take into account that a tire that wears, uh, that wears out at 20,000 miles, you can buy tires today that wears out at 40,000 miles. But if you want to double up again, you're doing 80,000 miles. But that 80,000 mile tire is four times better than the 20,000 mile tire in terms of its overall wear characteristics. So you have a situation where we're on a journey. If I can charge one P per mile from an 80,000 mile tire, I make twice the revenues than a 40,000 mile tire, of course. And this is the business model innovation. But for to get there, we of course need radical technology change within the compound. And of course, what we're really talking about is what happened in that part of the tire that's about a centimeter and a half or, or, or less even, and that rubber. And it's really the, the secret is what we put in that. And that's basically our secret sauce. So. You don't have thicker rubber than regular tires. No, thicker rubber actually solves nothing. Thicker rubber simply um, wears more over the lifetime of the tire in, in some respects. You, what you want to make is a very athletic tire. 
adding more rubber on the tire simply you know, generates, in some instances, even more pollution. Uh, because it adds more weight to the tire, the, the wear rates are, are more um, irregular. Um, what you need is, it, it's more like training an athlete. We need to train our tires to be like athletes, which can run a marathon without wearing down. And so um, what the current status is that the tire industry is, is, isn't really athletic enough in its products. And, and of course, that is making the products better, which is, again, more expensive. But without the business model change of, of selling them directly to customers, uh, then, of course, it's not economical to make. This is why it has to go hand in hand. And thinking about the sort of the emissions and the, and the, the components and the, the wear, is there any attempt to actually make those emissions less toxic rather than, okay, they last longer, but they're still toxic? Um, that there are there are definitely I would say that in the UK and this is post Dieselgate in particular there's been a lot of research on air pollution and of course London is a leading um, city when it comes to air pollution research you've got uh, leading thinkers from Imperial College uh, the London Air Quality Network and a number of others who are researching air pollution here and have been doing like uh, research on like Marylebone roads which have been going on for over 20 years. And of course, here you got the database of this pollution. And of course, at the moment when they started all that investigation, they never thought about tires. Now, that's a huge number of their research programs at the moment is looking at this pollution. I would say the, the issue is of addressing the toxicity is, is interesting because until recently, air pollution didn't really consider necessarily the toxicology toxicological effects of, of, of the air pollution itself. It was more looking at counting the PMs, like how many are they, where are they? But now, of course, people are looking what is in this particular particle. And in the United States, um, and recently, only two weeks ago, um, we won, we, we, last year we won an award at, at something called Comotion LA, which is a leading mobility summit. We're one of the few companies ever to win this award in, in the United States. And that was a great honor. Um, and as a result of that, we were able to host only two weeks ago in, in Los Angeles a, a workshop on tire pollution. And it was the first time ever that we brought together UK scientists and US scientists who are studying this, including from the California Air Resources Board, CARB, which is, was very famous during Dieselgate, um, the California EPA, microplastic experts, and UK scientists to discuss this. And the toxicological effect um, is really something that is the hot topic for research. We already know that tires um, have a material called 6-PPD. That is, uh, according to the California EPA, the second most toxic substance ever recorded when it comes to exposure to um, salmon in particular in, in the rivers in California. Um, so, which basically, uh, if I may describe that, so tires, of course, will wear on the roads, uh, and, and the wear will either go in the air or it'll stay on the roads in finer particles. When it rains, the storm drains will wash this, and it's like a jet engine to the ocean. The storm drains are a delivery mechanism for all these particles. 
And as the storm drains in California go through the estuaries where uh, you have coho salmon and other types of, of, of fish, there are these mass extinction events. And these extinction events have been going on for, for, for decades, and they never knew the reason for that until two years ago, where a scientist finally identified the, the raw material coming from tires, this 6-PPD. And, and, and so you, you're now at, at a stage where uh, that raw material is under heavy investi investigation because of its toxicological nature. The, at the same time, the particle itself is, is entering the aquatic environment and has a, a number of harmful effects. Of course, it enters the whole oceanic environment. And at the same time, the finer particles are part of the airborne environment as well. So you could look at the toxicity of, is the particle toxic? But you can also look at it from a different side that this, you have here a, you're breathing in a microplastic. It goes through your blood-brain barrier. It aggregates in a certain part of your organs. And it does not biodegrade, but it will leach out whatever toxin is therefore embedded in. And ultimately, what we need to do with tires is make sure that we have less particles coming off tires in terms of total volume. They need to be less toxic and then ultimately non-toxic. And that only can be done by changing fundamentally the, some of the recipes and the tire recipes in the tire tread, which is the part that wears. And ultimately, we cannot have a situation where all these particles still continue to aggregate in the environment. I mean, at the moment, if you look at the oceans, tire pollution is the largest single source of primary microplastics in our, that come from the Western world into our oceans. Um, the only other large source of these is microplastics uh, from uh, clothing industry, which comes mainly from, from China and Asia into our rivers because that's where they make our clothes. Uh, when we wash our clothes, of course, there's also microplastic pollution, but our clothes are not toxic, or at least hopefully not toxic, I would say. Um, but of course, tires are not, have never been designed uh, to be safe for, for consumption in, in the sense of, of us in, in, you know, uh, breathing them in or ingesting them through any kind of uh, uh, fish or, or any other food source. So we, we have a... We're at the early start of this conversation. And of course, the industry will say, we need more research. They always say that. We need more research because more research means they don't have to act yet. My and Enzo's take on that is, no, we already know electric vehicles are generating more. So let's address that. We already know that the business model is not set up to address this problem either. So let's address that. Let's move this industry to a more sustainable footing. Let's not engineer ourselves to have a switch to electric vehicles without thinking about tires. But we do need electric vehicles, and I want to make that absolutely clear. Electric vehicles are absolutely critical if we're going to combat climate change. But it's a bit like diesel gate. We switched to diesels because we thought they would address climate better because they had a lower CO2, but they generated more pollution. We are, we're at the risk here otherwise if we don't act for electric cars in particular to have that unintended consequence here yet again. And the tire companies, I mean, 
they have an ultimate incentive, at least a long-term incentive, to address this also. You know, the big five, I mean, surely they must be working on solutions. Uh, absolutely. I'm, I'm sure they are. Uh, and, and, and we know they are. We know they're interested in what we're doing because we've spoken to a number of them already and are speaking to them. Uh, and, and, and I would say the, they, 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 of course, have a few roadblocks in theirs, which a new company coming to the market, although there's a really high bar for us to enter the market, assuming now we have already entered that, that, that level, the, they, they, of course, produce substantial amounts. So take Michelin, for example. Michelin produces about 11% of all tires on the planet. Bridgestone actually is bigger than that. Uh, they produce about 13%. So jointly, they're about a quarter of the manufacturing totally worldwide, Bridgestone and Michelin. Michelin spends over a billion every year in research and development. So it wouldn't be surprising at all uh, that they're taking this very seriously. The, the hurdle they have to solve, however, this is how do they switch to making fewer products that are more expensive to make while still relying on their existing manufacturing capabilities, some of which are older factories. They have about 60 factories around the world. Last time I heard, the average age was about 30. Well, I know where I was 30 years ago. Um, I didn't even have an iPhone or a mobile phone. So, so you can understand the technology levels of some of these older factories. So that's the average age of, of missions factories. So not every factory Michelin has can make high per, high, the highest performance products that need to be addressed. That's problem number one. So assuming they get over the cost hurdle, which is more expensive to make, and they get over the manufacturing hurdle, which can we make this across the world, they still have to feed a distribution system uh, that is reluctant to accept products selling fewer and more expensive products. While there's so many other companies in the market competitors to Michelin, Bridgestone, and everywhere else, willing to sell still cheap Chinese tires from uh, very questionable sources, but they are very highly profitable to sell because A, the margins are good on those because they're cheap, and you sell them more often, so you make that margin more often as well for the distributors. You're in a situation where even if the manufacturers all got together to change, they still are uh, in a situation where they don't contribute control the distribution. And this is, this is the, the, the legacy problem that the current industry has, is that it's not enough to change one part. It's, it's a little bit similar to the advent of electric vehicles overall, in the sense that before Tesla, there was no successful scale-out of electric vehicles. What did Tesla do? It, it, it did something called a vertically integrated solution, um, meaning that it not only made the product, but sold the product. Um, bypassing the traditional distributors, while at the same time the GMs, the Fords, the Toyotas, everyone else was tied to a manufacturing versus a distribution model. So when Tesla came with a better product and sold it directly to customers, it was only at that point it was su successful. An electric vehicle became successful at scale. This is what we need to see at the tire industry as well. We need to follow that model. Because that's the only model that will break through. And any chance of Tesla taking your tires anytime soon? Uh, we're speaking to a number of OEMs, but I can't say who we are speaking to or working with. We're already developing products for certain OEMs. And we'll be offering our products here in London, 
in spring of next year, starting with certain large-scale customers we're already working with. We've already as well been working with companies like DPD and Royal Mail and the Mayor of London. We've already completed a, a, a study of our tires versus leading benchmark tires from other premium tire manufacturers. I'm very glad to say that we have beaten them all on energy efficiency. I'm also very glad to say we have at least, if not equivalent, then better results on the tire pollution as well already at our first go. Ultimately, of course, it's working with fleets as they transition to electric vehicles is absolutely critical for us. And then once we have established ourselves here in, with them, we will also be opening up our solutions to individual EV owners as well. Mm. Yeah, actually, as a, a son of a former fleet manager for um, in Australia for TNT, which is a very large um, trucking company, all those years back, I mean, I I can imagine that ultimately the the fleets um, see you know will see the benefits. Uh, you know, I mean, what what do you think the chances are that you know? Um, <clears throat> um, you know, car rental companies, trucking. I mean, so, oh well, you don't probably have a solution yet for, for large tires, do you? It's mainly been, cars at the moment, yeah. Well, we, we, we do um, electric passenger vehicles and, and light electric trucks. Um, we've been in discussions with other OEMs doing larger vehicles as well. And, and there's definitely a trajectory where our technology, our compound solutions and optimizations, as well as the business model, can be applied to electric trucks. The problem for us as a startup company, we have to pick and choose where we start our battle. And we have to choose where the vehicles are. So we, we focus on geofenced areas like London, Los Angeles, where you have high concentration of electric vehicles. This is why the congestion charge on ULES in London is, is, is such a great opportunity for Enzo and why we're headquartered here in London is because this is where you see high concentrations of, of, of identical EVs operated by a number of fleets, which all have had to now switch to electrification. And when they switch, I mean, it's interesting because they, they always come back to us with the same story. doesn't matter who they are. I've heard the same story from, from almost every large EV fleet in London. They say, look, yes, these vehicles, electric vehicles were expensive to buy, and they were often hard even to get. But now we have them, the drivers love them. They are cheaper to run per mile than we had before. We don't have to pay congestion, we don't have to pay ULES. We're exempt from that, which gives us a competitive advantage. We don't do oil changes, we don't have to do traditional maintenance. It's much simpler. We can do more deliveries in a single day with this vehicle than, than not, because of, of certain advantages that it has. The only problem, we're spending 20 to 50% suddenly more on tires, and suddenly they're becoming our biggest headache. Because when you remove all the other pains that the fossil fuel car has to experience in the terms of a maintenance of those large fleets, but suddenly this becomes the most dominant thing they have to deal with, and you're dealing with it far more often, suddenly has something has shifted. So when they have 100 electric vans, it's a problem. When they have a thousand electric van, suddenly the issue of tires becomes more of a crisis. So you have a, a situation where 
by switching to, and, and, and this is also felt by individuals who own individual EVs. I mean, ask anyone who owns a Tesla, unless they drive it around like a mouse, which I suggest that you do, you're in a situation where those tires will wear faster. You'll be meeting your tire a dealer more often than you previously had in any of your other cars. So, so we're in a situation where the tires becomes not problem number five on the list, but more like problem number one on the list for these EV fleets. And as we increase the number of these fleets, at which ULES and, and congestion here in London is driving us to do, and which is a good thing, the, the repercussion, of course, is that these tires suddenly become an issue. So this is why we are building our first pro store, which is a, imagine the Apple store for the electric car. That's what we're building here in London. And that will be open to all of the fleets to come to have their tires changed, but we're also happy to deliver them to them directly. Um, and, and, and we're building it centrally in London, so this is where the EVs roam. So we'll cater to their needs where they are, rather than try to put them somewhere on the outside the M25 or, or thereabouts where, where nobody wants to go. So ultimately for us, it's about catering to the needs where they are, addressing the air pollution problem, while of course giving them more range. And this is also something we haven't touched on maybe in detail, but Enzo is about more range, less pollution. When we give a fleet which has a thousand electric cars, a more efficient tire, they save electricity, which is going up in price, of course. So it's a cost saving for them. They, but why do they say more electricity? Because the by being more energy efficient, the tire effectively means that you um, don't use or lose as much energy per mile, which means that by not losing the energy, it keeps it in the battery. So ultimately, if you extend, the, if you deliver, for example, 10% more range for an electric car, you will correspondingly have saved that amount of energy at the same time per mile, which means that overall, you can use that extra range if you need it. If, if you're in that dire strait, you, you're coming at the, the limit, you, through our tires technology, you will be able to drive further on a single charge. Even on every mile you drive, you'll use less electricity per mile. So that's less cost. That is less uh, charging cycles, which also depletes the battery less. That is less uh, carbon from that energy generation. Because we're still living on a planet where a substantial amount of our electricity comes from carbon sources as well. So ultimately for us, Enzo wants to deliver to our customers more range, less cost, less pollution, in an affordable, direct, way where we and our customers and the environment are all incentivized to go in the same direction. Right. Curious question, where, where will this, this pro center be in London? Is, that, is, is there it's, a physical it, location it, already It's chosen? a physical location uh, and we're about to sign the lease for it now. Okay. It is, um, I can only say that it'll be the most central tire shop all of London. I can't but not ask a question, uh, which is, how does the opportunity in London compare to the opportunity in Los Angeles in terms of the potential to scale this, to, to roll this out, no pun intended, in each of those cities in, in, in rapid time? So um, Los Angeles and California are really interesting. So about 39 to 40% of all electric cars today 
are in California. So in the United States, if you count all of the 10 out of 10 electric cars, four of them are in California. And then when you look at California, the bulk of them are in San Francisco to some extent, but really LA is the, the EV capital of the United States. It's also where companies like Tesla are based, companies like Rivian, which is also based there, and other innovators uh, in the automotive space are also based there. It it's really is the, the EV hotspot, just like Norway is the EV country and London is the Europe's EV city. So um, what we're looking to do in Los Angeles is, is just like we have done here in London with the mayor and, and companies like DPD and Royal Mail, where we have been showcasing our products and testing our products. Um, we will be rolling out in, in Los Angeles as well in partnership with uh, the mayor of, of LA and, and the team there, as well as some large EV fleets in, in LA. Los Angeles, of course, is really interesting because in 2028, they will have the Olympics and they have designated this as the first um, environmentally friendly car-free Olympics, they're even calling it. I don't think that simply means you don't drive your own vehicle, but they're switching their whole fleets to electric in the next six years. So you can imagine that when Americans start to do something, they do it at scale. This means that <clears throat> although today almost 80% of all electric cars in the United States are Teslas, um, you're going to see a massive shift to other electric vehicles like we have in London. I mean, in London, if you walk on the streets, you'll see a whole plethora of, of electric vehicle brands and commercial vehicles and taxis. This is what you don't have yet in California. In California, it's, again, mostly Teslas, mostly Tesla 3s actually at the moment. And we're moving now to a stage where they will either adopt, and this is why they're in partnership with London and why we're also in partnership with the LA mayor's office, is because they're looking to adopt all the lessons and the mistakes that have worked here in London and scale it. But, but just like they scaled the technology of the jet engine and America scaled the technology. coffee. And, 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 and computer technology, all of which was invented, of course, here in the UK. When Americans scale, what we want to make sure is that they scale it in the right direction. And, and so they're already aware about, you know, about the issue of tire pollution. And this is so for tire pollution is, is a hot topic in the California market in particular. And as a result, by us entering the market at this particular time, we're looking to grow effectively with that market as it scales very fast. And, and I spent a fair bit of time in New York uh, this year, and I was really surprised by the lack of electric vehicles there. I mean, do you think, you know, obviously it'll happen in LA and it is happening in LA. Do you think that uh, New York is an interesting case. I used to live in New York as well um, for three years. And, I, I, and, and of course, in New York, I only knew one person who actually owned a car. Uh, I think most New Yorkers don't own one. So privately owned vehicles are rare compared to the rest of the United States. What is happening in New York is interesting, though, because they're looking to put a, a, a zero emission or low emission zone in the lower Manhattan area, um, which will propel the use of electric vehicles as well. And there's a bit of a <clears throat> tug of war, I would say, between Los Angeles and New York on, on who makes the bigger impact sooner. And, and I think that kind of competition is very healthy. You, you've seen that already here in the UK. 
by other cities than London putting in low emission zones as well. So I think that uh, New York is, is I think one of the reasons is, of course, when you look at the United States, most electric cars are privately owned Teslas. And if you don't need a privately owned Tesla to drive around Manhattan, you don't. Uh, But when commercial electric vehicles, particularly delivery vans, uh, and also the electrification on the taxi fleet in, in, in New York City will happen, then you're going to see it shift overnight because it is always more cost effective to run electric cars once you get over the the adoption of them in the first place. Could this could you could the sort of Enzo um, system be applied to other other vehicles, perhaps larger vehicles, but also maybe down to mopeds and bicycles? I mean, I mean, is 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 this ultimately re- relevant to all oh, forms? A- absolutely. I mean, uh, I mean, tire pollution is on anything that is looking like a tire. Uh, and of course, it comes in different scales. If you look at, for example, London buses, there's a substantial amount of tire pollution that comes even off a single London bus in a single day. Um, and so as we also make those buses electric, they will become heavier and therefore they will even increase that wear. So yes, we, we are exploring partnerships with those larger tire, tires required for those vehicles. We are also looking at, at other uh, modes. I keep getting asked by scooter companies and electric bicycle companies about potential partnerships, and we're happy to explore that as well, and we are exploring that as well. I think uh, for Enzo, of course, we're we're at the moment kind of coming out of so-called stealth mode, which means that you know people have not really heard about us. Uh, but I can only say that you know we come f- our 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 R and D heads and technology comes from people from which are been in the tire industry for decades. I've been in the industry for at least one decade. And, and of course, the, the way we want to enter the market is to build the brand of cleaner, safer, more efficient, lower polluting tires. And that should be available for any class of vehicle that runs on tires. But of course, we have to start somewhere. So we're starting here in London and we're starting with some great partners. And it seems to me that there does seem to be an issue of climate injustice with tyres. If we think about the fact that those today that can afford electric vehicles and and those electric vehicles are now becoming more polluting in tyres, it's actually not the drivers that really bear the brunt of all that. It's the entire tyre planet, it's our ecosystem, and it's people who are walking along the side of the road. I mean, what's your views on the sort of the climate injustice kind of uh, side of tire pollution. I agree. I agree. I, I think we, we're at the point where, of course, by switching to EVs, the, the 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 highest concentration of tire pollution, based on the current research, indicate that people living next to roads and highways are exposed to more of it than, of course, everyone else. And of course, we all know about. Uh, um, what happened to Ella on on the South Circular Road uh, and and the uh, uh, what her mother has has done in terms of raising awareness of, of of vehicle pollution? I think that that is also tire pollution that is an element in there as well. I think where we really need to address this, and this is interesting, because when we speak to uh, our friends in California, this is really one of the highest topics they raise with us is that already tire pollution is massive 
And if we switch to EVs, it's going to get massive plus 50%. And what they are therefore advocating is, of course, a rules-based approach around this pollution, which, again, there's no law against making a bad tire anywhere, um, so that it addresses those injustices of mainly urban, poorer communities being exposed to higher concentration of this pollution. And so you're absolutely right. If, if suddenly people switch to electric cars and they don't think about their tires, you're at the stage where, of course, they are polluting more in those environments. I think, however, we, we're still at the stage where we're not even talking about tires. I think awareness about what the problem is, is, is so lacking at the moment in the sense that when we set up Enzo, I, I won't bore you with all the questions I have ever heard, but when I, 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 I set up Enzo, um, I used to get questions like, will electric cars where you, you know, be useful in the rain? Um, and I thought, okay, this is going to be interesting. I think also people even questioned whether or not tires generate any pollution a few years ago, and the fact that electric cars generate more of it. All of those demons have been put to bed. But at the same time, if you look at the news reports on tire pollution, I would say the UK has been leading that because the scientists are researching it here and in California. But if you look at most other European nations, this is, is a topic that is not even discussed. And, and it's not discussed uh, because it's an uncomfortable truth that we have to address yet another source of, of pollution which is getting worse as we speak. Wow, I've learned a lot today. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much. That's all for this episode of Racing Green. Thanks for joining us. Racing Green is produced by myself, Jeffrey Young, Chris Bristow and Georgina McGiven in collaboration with the Camden Clean Air Initiative. It was recorded at Serendipity Studios, Camden, North London, with music and sound design by Chris Bristow.